Yes, my wife Amy and I, we um, um, both uh, lead uh, Kurimako Vineyard in Palmerston North and we're just coming up on four years as a, as a church plant and so we're here after COVID and everything and yeah, God is so faithful. And these are my two youngest, Matthew and Lovey and our two teenagers, uh, they're at home at the moment, they're 15 and 13, so this is our whanau, so thank you for having us. That's it, see ya. <laughs> Yeah, um, before I start, I just want to um, just say thank you for having me here. Uh, it's it's so lovely to be here. It's you know I just felt during the worship it was just like a really wonderful sense of the Holy Spirit in this space, and I, I can tell that there's been a lot of faithful saints over the years praying into this space and. And I know sometimes we, we, we look at people say that expression, the church is not a building, it's people, and there's a truth in that too. But there actually is something about consecrated spaces, you know, places that we gather in, where we do life, we worship, we have fun, we pray. And I, I can just really feel, it's like C.S. Lewis had that thing about the weight of glory. And I felt like this morning when I'm just in worship, I just feel it's like, it's like this big cloud above us. And it's like, it's just about to burst forth. And, and the other thing I just really felt here, just felt like immediately at home. Um, we've got a similar style as far as a, a Fano kind of approach to church. And I just felt like, man, this is a real family. I can just tell you guys really love each other and you care about each other. And I just really want to honour James and Tess. I've, I've got to know them through our wider vineyard sort of network, and um, they're just awesome. Uh, James is just always so encouraging. When he rings up, he's just always got something on his heart. He thinks deeply about the things of God, and he loves the things of the Holy Spirit. And every time I have a conversation with him, he's always very real with me, very encouraging. He's got this sincerity about him that's just oh, so refreshing. And I, I, yeah, I can see the, the fruit of it here, and uh, yeah, I'm sure you guys know, they're, they're wonderful people, yeah. yeah. He didn't pay me to say that, I, that that's all from the heart here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I've also, we've, um, this is the second time I've been in your space, um, first time on a Sunday morning, but we came down to the um, Intermediates Conference, um, which was wonderful. Our kids were really encouraged, and I'm sure yours and a lot of others, it was a beautiful time. And so um, I've also got to know Zoe, your amazing youth pastor, and um, her husband, Matt, uh, as well, and they're really great too. And I look forward to getting to know a few more of you today. So, all right, um, I'm going to speak out of Psalm 63, um, not the whole psalm, um, sorry, just get my notes in order, but if you just want to turn in your Bibles or on your phones to Psalm 63, and I'll get started. Psalm 63, 1. You, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. Because your love is better than life. What a great line. My lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live. And in your name, I will lift up my hands. I will be fully satisfied as with the richest of foods. 
With singing lips, my praise, uh, my mouth will praise you. Lord, I just thank you for your word. And I thank you that even though this is written thousands of years ago, it can have life for us right now because it's your inspired word, God. And so Holy Spirit, we just, we just open up our hearts. We open up our minds. We, we just want you to speak to us this morning. Lord, would these words go deep into us? And Lord, would you do a transforming work in our lives? In Jesus' name, amen. All right. I don't know if I'm working this all right. Is it? I might just get the person to click it to the next one. Um, I know I probably don't look it, but uh, I have done a cup. I've been a, in the past done some running. Uh, <laughs> I think now I could probably only run around the block, but at one point I got really into running and I did some half marathons and I even did a couple of full marathons. And uh, it was a, one of those things to tick off in life like, wow, I've done this. I can stop now. <laughs> But one thing I really remember from particularly doing my full marathon was um, I got through about halfway and I was feeling amazing. I was like, man, you're awesome, Nick. You're going to do this. This is great. And then I don't know if anyone's done a full marathon here. They call this thing called hitting the wall. It's this bit where you get your body just really just doesn't want to keep doing it and your mind's got it like, come on, keep going. Your body's like jelly legs and it's like, come on. And you're just like willing yourself to go through. Everything within you wants to just walk or stop and you're just willing your body and it feels like you're just, you know, there's old ladies running past and you're like, oh, I'm pretty much walking anyway. I should just walk. Uh, And so you just keep pushing yourself. And the thing that really, when you're doing one of these big, it was a hot day when I was doing this race and um, and I was just so thirsty and um, at these drink stations, they have, um, which is great, they set them up every kind of three or four Ks. They have some, you know, some drink stations there and people, these helpful volunteers with cups, you know, paper cups and you're sort of drinking a few and they're throwing it over your head and carrying on. Saying. And I was, I was in this moment, I was just completely um, just oh, it's so thirsty and dry and I was like, oh, I'm almost near the end of this thing. I can do it, I can do it, Nick, you can do it. And uh, the person gave me my cup and I was like, oh, this is going to be so nice. And I splashed it all over my face. And then I realised it was Powerade. (laughs) So (laughs) until I could get to the next drink station, I was running with this like stick, sticky, sweet kind of formula all over my face. And it was like, oh, that was horrible. And in that moment, all I wanted was just some fresh water just to wash my face. I had to wait another three or four case. But I say all that to say... um, the, the basis of the psalm is, 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 as you read, is, is David is talking about being in a desert, in a wilderness. And they believe either he's writing this when he's fleeing from King Saul for his life, or he potentially is fleeing from his life when his son Absalom tried to take the throne. In either event, he's in a cave somewhere, he's in the desert, he's in the wilderness. It's not a good space to be. And I, um, you know, we, we have a phenomenal amount of rain here in New Zealand, and particularly the last six months has been extra, hasn't it? And uh, so we're not a country generally in our space of the country that really struggles with um, lack of rain or, or water and stuff. But when I was reading this, I, I just really felt like there was kind of two things uh, that God was sort of bringing out, was that thing that 
you know, we live in kind of like a secular kind of desert, a, a dry and barren land, right? Like, uh, if we're honest about where the church is, the Western church is, it, it kind of is on its knees statistically. And I'd be interested to see where that, the census comes out, like where the, where, the, where the numbers are going. I suspect they'll probably keep retreating. Um, and, I, and I don't say this to depress you this morning because I believe God's going to do something amazing. I think there's, you know, we're seeing just little glimpses of renewal and sort of a bit of rain. But I think there's a reality to the world we live in that we are quite significantly in the minority. And you probably experience this maybe in your schools or workplaces. Um, the, the hope that we have in Jesus and the, the life and the spirit that we have, not everyone's experiencing that. And it's quite foreign or... Um, sort of like, whoa, what's that about? And I feel like, you know, we live in this kind of secular, dry and barren land and we're thirsty for God's presence to break into this place, right? And the second thing I just really felt was that even amongst us, that a lot of us can feel like that dry and barren land. Um, The desert is used a lot in the Bible, obviously as a physical location, but it's also a great word picture of our lives because in the desert, everything's stripped away, right? It's not that all the facades and all the things that are going right in your life are stripped away. And, and who you really are in that moment is what is exposed. And, and here is a moment where King David is exposed in, a, in the wilderness and what's in his heart, what's really going on within him comes out. David was a complex character, but was known as a person. I'll just go to the next slide, thanks. He was a complex character, but he was known as a person after God's heart. Complex in the fact that um, he did some he did just did some stuff that wasn't great either. But the thing that he was known after throughout his life, even in the midst of his mistakes and brokenness, was that he was someone who could keep returning to the to the Lord. He kept going after God. He had a heart after God. And not just for what God could give him, but actually for God himself, right? Because often we, we can go to God for the things that we need and want, and these are good things, you know? It says in the New Testament to ask for these things, you know, ask your Father in heaven. He gives good gifts, so we're meant to ask these things. But the primary motivation of our heart is actually to go after God and his presence and his love. This is, this is the, the primary motivation in our lives and this is, this is the heart that David has. He writes in this is Psalm 42, 1, As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. And I guess the, the question or the challenge I want to put out to you guys this morning is, are you thirsty and hungry for God? Do you have an appetite for his presence this morning? And if you don't, that's okay too. Because God still wants you to come, even if you're feeling dry or barren, even if you, you feel like, oh, I, I just can't feel this presence. I, I'm struggling with doubts, uh, despair. I've got disappointments on my heart. God's like, come, come this morning. Come, stir your hunger and your thirst for me. I want to satisfy your, I want to quench your thirst and I want to satisfy your hunger this morning. And whether we know it or not, 
everyone, even people who don't believe in God, are searching for something to quench their thirst, someone or something to satiate their hunger. St. Augustine famously said, You have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. That's that restlessness, that's that hunger, that's that thirst that we all feel and every person on the planet feels, even if they don't know who God is or what life's all about. We've all got that searching heart for God. And this is, this is when the psalm, this is how it starts. Earnestly, I seek you, I thirst for you with my whole being. When he's talking there, he's talking about everything with him. And it's about that, you know, bless the Lord, all my soul, and everything that's within me, my heart, my soul, my mind, everything within me is searching for God. And look at how he responds and, and down in Psalm, uh, next slide, uh, verse two. I've seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and glory. So what David is saying here is, is that he has this heart after God because he has experienced God. We don't know a lot about his like early life other than he was a shepherd boy and then he you know, came up thrust onto the scene um, with you know, this great defeat of Goliath and then you know, he's raised to this place of fame in the land and then in this instant potentially he's running for his life from King Saul. But somewhere in there throughout his life, he has had spiritual formation and relationship with God that has transformed his heart more than just head knowledge. He's had heart knowledge of God, maybe as a shepherd boy, alone, sitting out there at night. He, he must have been pouring his heart out or, or maybe reciting some psalms or, or, or thing. And then as, as, as he grew in stature and favour, in, in, the, in the place, you know, he says here, I beheld you in the sanctuary. What he's talking about there is, you know, they had the temple. Well, before they had the temple, they had this big giant marquee that was like massive tent that was called like the tabernacle. And when he's talking about the sanctuary, he's talking about the place, the, the holy place within that place. That, and he, when he says, I beheld, it's like he has contemplated, he has looked at the glory, he's seen the glory of God and it has transformed it. It's ruined him for anything else. He, he has ruined for anything else in his life. And it, it reminds me of what he says in Psalm 27, 4. One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze, to look at the beauty of the Lord and to seek or meditate or inquire in his temple. See, David sought after God at the tabernacle as earnestly as a thirsty man looks for water in a dry and thirsty land. And I guess that's the other question I want to put out to you today. Have you experienced this, this love? Have you, have you beheld his glory? Have you, have you had that experience? Because I know many of us, I've, I've been raised in a Christian home. I'm a pastor's kid. My dad was a pastor at Wainu and Mata Baptist here in Wellington. I gave my heart to the Lord at what? used to be known as the rock at Nairanga Gorge. Like, you know, we, we've all had these experiences of God, but has it moved from your head to your heart? And as there's a saying um, which says that the longest journey you'll take in life is from the head to your heart. And I, I feel like that's been my challenge in my life. And I feel like for a lot of us, it's getting from that, just that head knowledge. And there's nothing wrong with head knowledge, you know, 
Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and all your mind. Yes, we want to learn. Yes, we want to grow. We want to grow in wisdom and understanding. But if we stop there at just mental ascent and don't let it go down into our hearts, we're missing a huge amount, right? I don't know if you remember this film. Um, it's from the late 1900s when I grew up. <laughs> Goodwill Hunting, and it's about the, you got uh, Matt Damon there, very young Matt Damon there, he's this kind of brilliant student, um, he just, he's just a brain box nerd, he just absorbs information, knows everything about everything, and this guy on the right, played by Robert, the late Robin Williams, is, 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 a, is like a professor, mentor kind of character who kind of takes this young guy under his wings and tries to sort of help develop and shape him. And there's an interesting scene in the movie because um, they have these ongoing dialogues and conversations about life and experiences and stuff. And the, 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 the character, the mentor, the, the Robin Williams guy, challenges him because this kid knows everything. Like he's got all this knowledge of all this history and everything. But he actually challenges him around experience. Like have you experienced it? And there's an interesting but um, but a dialogue where this is where he's talking to him and he says to this young guy, he says, so if I asked you about art, you'd probably give me this skinny on every art book ever written. Michelangelo, you know a lot about him, life's work, political aspirations, him and the Pope, the whole works, right? But I bet you can't tell me what it smells like in the Sistine Chapel. You've never actually stood there and looked up at that beautiful ceiling. And the point of all this is what I was saying before is he had head knowledge he knew all those interesting facts, like more than most people do, but this guy's challenging him and, and he carries on with a whole lot of other life experiences. But have you experienced it? Have you been there? Have you experienced how beautiful that is and what it smells like and what it is? And that, that's, that's what the, the point I'm sort of getting at home today is, is have you experienced, not just an understanding, a head knowledge of God, but have you experienced deep within your heart that you can say, yes. That is what the love of God is like. I've experienced the liquid love of God and it has transformed my life that I'm ruined for anything else in this life. Everything else is just a cheap substitute compared to the incomparable glory and beauty of Jesus when you meet him face to face, right? And then we go to the next slide, which is the key kind of verse today. Because your love is better than life. What a declaration, eh? Like imagine to declare that your love, your love, God, the experience of your love is better than anything else in life. Like that's how transformative David's experiences with God was. In the midst of a, a tragedy where all circumstances are not going his way, he could declare a statement like that. Your love, Lord, even in the midst of my very difficult circum and painful circumstances, if this, if this is his son who's betrayed him, is better than life itself. What a declaration. Like, that just melts my heart. Like, and I'm just like, man, I want to have a heart like that, don't you? Like just to... Be able to, in any circumstance, we go, your love, God, is better than life itself. And it's, uh, the, the word um, that they use here is, is kind of this thing called hesed, um, hesed love. And it's kind of like, 
doesn't translate well to English, but it's kind of something like loving kindness because your loving kindness, like your compassion, your grace. This is not that, you know, that sense where we have a God that, oh, he has to love us, you know. No, he wants to love us. That it's his compassion, it's his loving kindness that he sees our circumstances, he sees us, he knows us, and he loves us, and he wants to pour his love out on us. And this is, this is the answer for our lives in this secure, dry, barren land we find ourselves in spiritually. It's so important that we, and particularly these next generations, haven't experienced God. That's why I really loved coming to the, um, the Intermediates Conference here with Ben McGregor and his team. And just recently, we've, um, we joined up with you guys, youth group at, at, at Easter Camp um, at Fielding, which was amazing as well. And just seeing, that they, like I've got skin in the game, I've got, I've got teenagers here and, and, and young kids who are experiencing the love of God for the first time. And I'm like, man, this is the answer. Like, the answers are not going to come through political means or through having famous people do this, that, and that. It's actually from our kids getting an experience of God that they're like, no, that's better than life itself. So yeah, yeah, there's distractions. Yeah, there's stuff that's going to pull them to the side. But if they've had an experience of God like that, and if they keep coming back to have an experience of God, because it's not a one-off event, and they're in the family of faith here, people who are going after God together like that, that's going to bring them through, I reckon. Like, that's the thing that's going to help them. They're going to be so ruined by Jesus that I just don't want the things of the world. Or they can see that those things are just cheap alternatives. There's no deep satisfaction in that. And I just feel like, for me, that's so encouraging of my teenagers and this world, which makes like the 1990s seem like a breeze. Like, like what was the worst thing on TV then? Like Bevy Hills 90210 or something? Like, <laughs> probably then they're like, oh my goodness, and Simpsons. Oh. And it's like, man, that's mild as they can be to the world our kids are growing up in with social media and you know, technology and all sorts of challenges and struggles. And I'm just like, Sometimes I just like to go back to the 90s, eh? Like, I mean, I know we can't go put it back in the box. I was like, man, they seem like the peak of Western civilization, but it's like all just gone down from there. But uh, I'm just like, oh, okay, that's what I've got to keep praying for for my kids for this next generation. Because I, I don't want the church to keep retreating. I want, I want to believe God's going to do a renewal in our land like he has done it, it through human history when the church is on, looks like it's on its knees with Wesley and others. He's going to come back and you know, we're going to see a pouring out of his spirit, people's hearts transform, that they will be declaring that your love is better than life itself. So we're going after you and your kingdom no matter what the consequences. And we're going to you know, see transformation and that the church would go on for generations to come to whenever Jesus comes back, that our kids and our grandkids and our grandkids would carry this thing forward faithfully. That's... And I think this is, this is, you know, what the Apostle John's talking about in First John. He said, behold what love that the Father has lavished on us, poured out on us, that we should be called children of a God. And this lovely refrain, he says, and that is what we are. That's, the, that's what happens when you get that experience of God, is that you actually get the revelation of who you are in God, that you're not um, a foreigner from God, you're a, you're a part of the family, brought in to this Fano with God and the Trinity. This is, this is your part of this beautiful family of God across the world. And, and I guess in a sense, like just going back to that kind of thing about being ruined by God's love, it's like, you know, in the, Jesus is talking to the disciples and, he, and there's that scene where he says some stuff that's quite challenging and quite a number of them sort of leave. And then he kind of goes to Peter and he says, you know, are you going to go too? And Peter replies to Jesus, he says, yeah, where can we go, Lord? 
you have the words of eternal life. Like Peter had had a revelation of who Jesus was, not just some great teacher, not just some um, interesting miracle man sort of thing. He, no, this, you're God. I get this. My life is ruined now. I'm going to follow after you. I'm going to do everything because where can I go? <laughs> I'm ruined now, God, by your love. You know, like this is, this is the transformation that God does. Next slide. And then it's interesting, this is, you know, when you had an experience of God's love, it's almost like you can't stop yourself from giving thanks to God. Look, he says, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live. And in your name, I'll lift up my hands. Like when you have had had that love in your life, when you have had seen the goodness and the kindness of God, you can't help yourself from responding in worship, right? Like this is what... Is. This is what praise and thanksgiving is. This, this, this is responding to this wonderful love that we've received and we just give it back to God like, Lord, thank you. You're so good. You're so kind. Lord, even though life is tough and circumstances don't always go my way, you, you are faithful and you have been there throughout my whole life and you are there with me right now. Thank you for your incredible love. Thank you, God. And that's, that's how David responds. And then he says in verse 5, and I'm, I'm sort of just bringing this to a close, I will be fully satisfied as with the richest of foods. With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. If you just want to go to the next slide. I don't know about you, but every Christmas, I, I make this like kind of little vow on myself. I'm like, Nick, you, you're going to, yeah, 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 yeah. Nick, you're going to, you're going to take it easy this year, you know, like, <laughs> you've not got to overdo it, you know, you've not got the stretchy pants on, like, <laughs> just have a little bit of food with the kids for breakfast, you know, a couple, just around, just a little bit of dessert, but no, every year, I put the, push the boat right out, <laughs> rounds and rounds of food, so much, like, trifle, I never eat this throughout, anyone else eat this throughout the year? Like, Christmas Day, I'm, I'm knocking back the trifle, I'm, I'm pouring up the plate high, and then I'm having, anyone had this, a food coma? Like, I'm, I'm crashed out on the couch, and maybe there's, like, Lord of the Rings, or Back to the Future on TV or something, and it's just like, oh, this is good. Well, this is the kind of idea that, that David's talking about here, when he's talking about you know, you know, feasting on the presence of God. I will be satisfied as with the richest of foods. Like think of the best foods, Christmas Day, whatever your favourite foods are, and it's not just having a little nibble. It's like, oh, pour at the plate, like load it up, seconds, thirds, fourths, and a little bit later. You know, like it's, I will be fully satisfied with your presence, God. I'm not happy with just a little bit of it. I want it all the time. And I think, I just uh, think just, you know, sometimes even just around with the things of the Spirit and being filled with the Spirit, we, uh, I, I think we just sometimes have these one-off experiences and we leave it at that. And so, like, maybe you're a teenager and you go to a conference and you really feel the presence of God and it's amazing, but then come Monday, Tuesday, you're back into school and you forget, what was that all about? Oh, was that just a whole lot of emotion? Or you come here today and maybe you really feel the Holy Spirit on you and just really, oh man, God, you're so real. And then Tuesday morning, you're at that 
office meeting and someone's talking about someone forgot to replace the toilet roll in the toilets or something, and you're like, what was that about? Like, I had this amazing transcendent experience and now people are complaining about the dishwasher and the toilet roll and, and the photocopier won't work. Like, and it's like, how are those two related sort of thing? And it's like, and then we just sort of drift. And this is what I find, particularly guys, just drift. You have an experience of God and you drift and you just sort of go through. And I feel like this is where I want to kind of end my message on today. A bit like in Ephesians where it said, you know, do not be, um, you know, drunk with wine, which leads to debauchery, which just means making dumb decisions, um, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. And, and in the Greek, it kind of basically has this idea of being continually filled with the Holy Spirit, that it's not a one-off event. It's not just after you get baptised and someone you know, tries to pray for you to be baptised in the Holy Spirit and then you've got the one and done sort of thing. It's like a daily thing. And this is what I encourage you today. Like, this is why it's so important to come to church, especially in our day and age, because what this is doing is like a circuit breaker for that thing. Because if you stop going to church like for weeks and months on end, um, I know people say, yeah, you don't have to go to church to be a Christian, but it's really blooming hard to do it if you're not going to church and with other Christians, right? Sorry, sorry for my um, bad language there. <laughs> because you need to be around other people who are doing this as well. And that's why when you're coming here, you're being encouraged by each other. We're encouraging each other. You know, sometimes I go into church and go into prayer meetings and I'm, I'm a bit discouraged and I'm leading the thing. <laughs> and then someone has a word or someone leads in worship or someone prays for me and I'm like, oh, yes, thank you, Lord. There's a sense that we almost have to kind of like borrow each other's faith from day to day sometimes. So we've got to have that going on on Sundays. That's why it's so important to be here. This is what you're doing. I just want to applaud you for being here today. It's King's birthday weekend. There's probably a lot of people in cafes and away on holidays and stuff, but you're here. Like, good on you. Like, this is important for you and your kids and everything else. The other thing is we have to build a daily kind of well in our lives. And as charismatics, I think we really struggle with this. I, I'm a... Uh, INFP, like I hate structure, I like to flow with things, no wonder I'm a charismatic, you know, like, oh, this feels good, spontaneous, I love it, you know, it's great. And I do, I do love all those things, but one thing I've had to learn through my walk with the Lord is I've had to build a bit of a structure, a bit of a trellis to kind of help me build that well into my life. So when Monday and Tuesday come and I'm starting to feel like I'm caught up in my work and getting caught up in the things of this Lord and I've forgotten about God, it's like I've got a daily devotional rhythm that I'm going to each day so that Monday morning, you know, it's Sunday now, but Monday's coming. Tomorrow morning you, you get up and you, whatever your time you do it, it's six o'clock or seven o'clock, you open up your Bible, you get your coffee out, you, you, you maybe you pray while you're going during, you know, driving to work or on the train or something, that you're like, I'm building the presence of God into my whole day and week. So it's both and I'm going to have experiences amazing experiences with God, but I'm also going to have daily experiences of the presence of God, and we're going to bring those two things together, and it's going to build up a well in me that's going to give me life and life in abundance. You call.